Having learned the history of Clan Torador, we now have some understanding of how they behave. Where the Ventru seek to rule on the basis that theirs is both the right and responsibility, the Toreador have always striven to further art. Historically, art pieces belong to the rich and privileged, so naturally that is where the Clan of the Rose would find themselves. In a previous video, I've said that your clan does not necessarily decide who you are, but a clan who values certain traits are prone to embracing those who exemplify them. Thus, a clan of artists would embrace artists or their patrons, who in turn could finance and patronize their mortal craftsmen. But as time passed and art became so much more than a way to show off your wealth, the Toreador likewise evolved, and in the 21st century theirs is a broad and varied clan, united primarily in their passion for the artistic. So strong is this zeal in fact, that were they to come upon a particularly captivating scene, whether rendered by hand or by accident, they may be so enraptured that the rest of the world simply loses its meaning. Many call this fascination their curse, but the Torador know that it is a blessing, for it reminds them of their own passion and of their humanity. A Torador is never baseline, they are either in an exultant peak or a valley of ennui, each treasured dearly. Even outside art, the Torador surround themselves with the mortal kind, using them as a reminder of the fire that once burned in their chest. The dark side of their passion is their equally burning need to stand out. Kindred of the Torador often get caught up in petty drama, as accusations, disparagements and duplicity are far too common amongst the degenerates. If you cannot create, you are a critic, and for many Torador who lack talent or the creative spark, the outlet is to shine the brightest regardless of the occasion. Jealousy and betrayal are far too common when the Torador flock together and the Elysium is their battlefield. Fashion, parties, dancing, everything becomes a matter of unlife or death as they struggle to outdo each other. This distinction between those who have it and those who don't run deep in this clan. The traditional wording for it is artiste versus pousseur, one who creates and one who imitates. Even so, a pousseur may still hold vast influence as their energies are instead directed towards being more important for other reasons. As a clan, however, the Torador are a force to be reckoned with. They are the second most powerful clan in North America, and the single most influential in Latin America. In France, the Torador outnumber and overpower any other clan at least 3 to 1, and Italy is an old bastion of theirs, and one often visited for inspiration when a Torador travels. Which they do more often than most others of the high clans. The Middle East remains another source of great interest, although the conflicts that has plagued the area for so long has severely diminished their influence in the region. As for their members, however, you will find very few of history's true artistic geniuses. It turns out that, despite their experience and expertise, the Torador, much like the mortals, are quite inept at recognizing living genius. Time, instead, is a true test of greatness, much to their chagrin. The Torador tend to gather together in guilds cliques of relatively like-minded vampires with a distinct pecking order. Often little more than a social club, these guilds are just a formal term for local gatherings of Torador. Although in bigger cities, or where there's a distinct rivalry involved, more than one guild can exist at the same time. Like much else when it comes to this clan, it is more often wielded as a tool of status and influence than not. Although it is a good way for a newly embraced Torador to learn the ropes. Even if it means they will be burnt a few times along the way. That does not mean a Torador has to belong to a guild, but they will be much more exposed if they are not. 
and once a year, on Halloween, the Torador of each continent gathered together for a grand ball, a massive gathering and celebration. As these are held at different places every year, the guilds often compete for the privilege of hosting one, rivals putting aside their differences for this one glorious opportunity. Because of their talent for socializing, the Torador will often play host to the city's Elysium. Kindred tend to want to surround themselves with nice things whenever they meet, and the Torador are happy to oblige. The status that comes with being host is undeniable, but it certainly brings with it its own risks. Maintaining the masquerade must always be on the host's mind, especially when the local Bruja upstart is picking a fight with the Malkavian Primogen who played a prank on him. Still, the soft power that comes with bearing someone entry or denying them refreshment cannot be denied, and any prince who wishes to avoid conflict amongst their subjects should pay heed not to anger their Torador Primogen. One of the more influential Torador of the present day is Victoria Ash. Born into poverty in France, she was a camp follower and a prostitute, eventually winding up as a concubine for Prince Louis II himself. Then Maximilian, a pimp, ghouled her and brought her with him to Paris. The two journeyed together for years before Maximilian was killed, but not before he had embraced Victoria, who fled to the colonies in New Amsterdam. Some time later she returned to Europe, having lost her first child to the son, willingly, and she traveled Victorian Europe together with her lover and eventual child, Regina Blake. Once the two parted ways on bitter terms, she returned to America, where Victoria eventually came to take the position as primogen in Atlanta. She was close to becoming the prince even, having worked years to build up her status and influence, only to have it taken away from her as the Sabbat attacked her Elysium, murdering most of her guests and taking her hostage. After a while she managed to escape, but not without a scar on her face marking her forever. Victoria Ash was the signature Toreador for several editions of the game, and is also the main character of the titular clan novel. She remains a powerful and important actor amongst the kindred, being the unnamed neonate's guide in the V5 book on the Camarilla, having left for the Middle East due to the beckoning. This is contested, however, as she's also apparently made a recent appearance in the official LA by Night actual play. Rafael de Corazon is a Torador whose name should be familiar throughout the Camarilla. One of its founding members, it is said that it was his rousing speech in regards to the masquerade that truly cemented the alliance of the clans. But before he became the father of the Camarilla, he was an altar boy, a failed priest, and a hack. Lacking any true artistic merit himself, he had his artisans craft lewd manuscripts, much to the delight of the bishop whose favor he sought. When he was embraced by a local pagan witch named Caisti Castillo, child to Ishtar herself, she assumed he was the one who had made these illustrations. When she realized it was not, her fury was tremendous, but the fledgling managed to convince her not to slay him and being the talentless child of a powerful Methuselah was punishment enough as many other Torador envied the Pusseur for the potency of his blood and the status it brought. Eventually his sire left Europe, wanting no part in the Inquisition and its follies, and he was left in charge of managing her influence. Having no talent for art himself, he instead became a patron and a critic. He would remain this, a Torador of little actual value, until the speech he made for which he is so famous. This won him a great influence in his clan, and even the Camarilla itself, and it is rumored that he is one of the Camarilla's inner circle, the secret leadership of the sect. Dr. Carmelita Nilsson may not be as old or powerful as those previously mentioned, but the Brazilian-Irish Torador has already made a name for herself in Camarilla society. 
An archaeologist and a scholar, Carmelita has made it her mission to record as much as she can about her kind, especially the murky past of her own clan. She was the one who retrieved the staked body of her great-grandsire, Catherine of Montpellier, and interviewed her at length. A famed scholar of kindred history of her own, Catherine has turned out to be a somewhat unreliable narrator, often painting her clan in a better light than it deserves. But one cannot deny that the 900-year-old Torador has proven herself a font of knowledge. Carmelita has, since that interview, only grown in status and renown, and she is now one of the foremost recorders of Camarilla history and events. For many Torador, she has become something of an example and a role model, proving that it is possible to be successful through less conventional means of art, as Carmelita is an excellent storyteller and a polyglot. Because of the Second Inquisition striking down hard on digital communication between kindred, Carmelita has been forbidden by the Camarilla elders to store any of her findings on a digital medium. Thus, there are several analog caches around the world, small libraries of hers where she's gathered interviews, notes, maps, and other objects of note. Naturally, there are many, many more Torador to study and learn from, and I can highly recommend both the first and revised editions of the clan books for those who are interested. For a prospective Torador player, I can also strongly recommend Gilded Cage and Council of Primogen for some insight into the politics of the Camarilla. If you want to play an older kindred, Elysium is also invaluable for the rules it provides on playing elders, not to mention even more information about the Jihad. Next time we will focus more on Elysium, as well as the many political positions Kindred may attain in a Camarilla-run city. Until then, thank you for watching, and be safe out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.